Hello, I'm Bastian. I've been building up companies for the last 10 years, mainly in the area of medtech, and I'm co-founder of Flynn, responsible for sales and finance. Hi, I'm Marcus, and I spent my last 10 years mostly in product management in companies such as N26. And in Flynn, I'm co-founder for topics around product and people. Flynn is a VC-funded early-stage company. Our software helps medtech companies to automate their quality and regulatory affairs processes. And in this podcast, we want to candidly share our lessons learned while building Flynn from the ground up. One of the key responsibilities in the early stage is to make sure you bring highly talented and really strong people into your team to help you build this company. And it's oftentimes very challenging for an early stage startup to compete with companies that can pay really high salaries. So one instrument you can leverage is an employer stock option program. And in this episode, we will talk about why you should use that, when you should introduce it, what's the size of an employer stock option program, what it actually is, and what are the key terms and conditions you should pay attention to, and how you present such a ESOP program in a sale, in a salary conversation when you want to convince a person to join your company. Let's get started. The first introduction topic we want to look into is why you actually want to even do an employer stock option program. And from, from an entrepreneur point of view, it's to incentivize your employees to be shared employees with you and like give them a reason why they might go the extra mile, why they think beyond just the capacity of a normal employee and really give them, give them also overproportional chance to participate in the success of your company. That's something where you can, as a young, small startup or small company, but even also as a scale-up, really differentiate from a big corporate or a company that has a lot of money that they can pay to a salaries, for example. So for us as, an, as a venture, it's really a, a great opportunity to make sure it's not just the two or three founders that we are, but we actually eight founders. And really, everyone takes his entrepreneurial ownership. And we want to make actually the first 50 employees millionaires if we achieve a great exit. So this is how we designed our program. And yeah, when do you get started with it? So, of course, we have to always take into consideration that we are talking about a VC-backed case here. So kind of a growth case. And there doesn't make so much sense probably to have it far before you have an investment because also the uh, shareholders want to have a say in setting this up together with you. However, there can be cases in more organically grown startups where you would maybe even pay people in the beginning purely with shares, right? So from our perspective, early, very early in a VC case, probably around the first funding round because there you really get your first employees on board. And exactly then, it's also very important to differentiate with this kind of program. And we differentiate between two names. Uh, it's mainly in the Dach region, in the German-speaking region. The one is the ESOP, which is an employer stock option program. And the other is the VSOP, which is a virtual stock option program. And this is differentiated a bit in the sense of taxation, because it makes difference whether these shares are completely virtual shares and it's kind of a bonus calculated like a share, or if it's real hard shares that might have tax implications already when they are granted. 
And so therefore, the very common thing that we see here is more the virtual share option programs. And this is also what we have set up in our own company. However, like a lot of companies, of course, call it ESOP. I guess the general overarching term might be employer stock option program. But then when you look into the details, it's a VSOP program. So don't be confused on that, but bear in mind that tax plays a role. And uh, maybe to add one more point on the when. So it might be the case that you have employees before you did your first funding round or before you set up your, your VSOP program. And in this case, you may offer them a participation letter. I actually, in I had this already in three companies, and we have done this also with our first two employees, actually, which is a one-pager, two-pager that says, hey, we hire you and we want you to participate in the success of our company. That's why we will give you 10,000 euros of virtual shares as soon as our program is in place. We aim to have the program in place by this date, and these are the rough terms of the date. And then you let the person sign for acknowledgement. So it's it's basically, it has no legal binding say. It's not a legal binding thing. So it's more really like it's summarizing the terms. It's putting on, on paper that this you have a strong intent to give this to the employee. And usually you trust that the company or employees trust the company on, on that one. However, make sure that if you promise to set it up within the next three months, that it's not delayed for a year or so. Because that could, of course... Backfire a lot on you. Yeah, there's a great advantage uh, before you have the funding uh, on your company to start with these participation letters because you really should go for an experienced lawyer to set this up. Don't do it yourself. Don't use any templates. In our opinion, really work with a uh, knowledgeable lawyer in that sense and in that field. And this costs quite some money. So it's definitely a couple of thousand euros that you will have to pay for it. So therefore, participation letter could be a good bridge till the round is there. Yeah, and the participation, you can keep it simple because, again, it's not legally binding. It's just your intent to do it this specific way. And I've seen in companies having participation letters for up to a year, but then they also clearly stated out and said, hey, with the next funding round, we're going to set this up and this is these are the terms. And the, the, all the, the dates of like vesting and so on, we can talk about this in a, in a moment, will all be backwards to the day of signing the, the participation letter. So it's like... It's, it's uh, also a fair setup. And it's, it's really important what Bastian has said because changing the program later on is quite painful. I've seen this in, in a company. They had to change the program twice. You need to go back. Either you need to go back to all old employees who long left the company and change the program or you have multiple programs at the same time and have to carry different types of ESOP, ESOP programs with you. So... Investing a little bit upfront is, is actually a good good thing. And it's by now, there are quite a few lawyers who know how to do this. And beside that, a very central question that will arise is, of course, the big one, how large should this be, right? And there are different opinions on it. I think you should also take into consideration, is on board at the time, is it several founders? Are you a single founder? Do you want to incentivize your other employees even more entrepreneurial? because you're starting the company alone. So there are different strategies. And of course, there's also the question, do you have to carry it alone as a founder or as a founder team? Or would investors also partially carry it? And we can give you a hint there. I think you can, should definitely set up a visa early in the company, but you don't have to hit for the final number that you might want to achieve over the whole development of the company. 
So we would recommend always to hit for a significant share. Usually in most cases, about 10% is a very good starting point for a visa program. And then you add up later on when you bring other investors on board, because then potentially also your co-shareholders that are with you in the company at that point might also carry this visa together with you, as all have the same aligned interest to further incentivize new employees that will come in with growth. So to explain what carry means, it means like, for let's say we, in the first round, you hand around, hand away 10%. And usually that's taken from the founder shares. If you're good in negotiation, the 10% might be taken from the founders and carried. So taken from also the, the initial investors. And then in next round, maybe you decide to give another 5% to the employees. And then it's again to be negotiated from whom are these 5% been taken. Is it only from the founders? Is it from the old investors from the first round or the old and the new investors? So that's kind of this carry thing, like who who is giving away those percent? And that's, of course, up for discussion. Something we have seen now is like that whoever was like investors joining this new round are usually not carrying it, but all old investors, or old shareholders, they carry the visa, but of course, up for negotiations. Yes, yeah, so we have given the meta picture on this. So now it's time for the nitty gritty. So let's go really into the key components that usually such a research should have. Probably it's a very good idea to start with the cliff and the vesting period. Marcus, what's your experience there? Yeah, so first maybe what's cliff and what's vesting? A cliff period is the period in if you leave the company or if the employees, the employee leaves that company, no matter whether they cancel the contract or whether you make them redundant, that person will basically lose all the shares or all the, the virtual shares that were promised to them. So that's basically a complete, like, if you leave within usually a year of cliff, then you have nothing, basically. After this, this year, there's basically a continuous vesting period, and you call the whole period, usually we've seen three to five years. I've most commonly seen four years, so four years with vesting, of which one year you got to have a cliff period. And vesting means, like, you get month by month, quarter by quarter, half year by half year, that depends also again on the terms. You get your shares handed over. You make sure that you cannot lose those shares anymore. So let's take an example. If you have 40 shares of a company or 40 VSOC shares, after you, and you have a four-year vesting, one-year cliff. After the first-year cliff, 10 shares will remain with you. And then month by month, if it's a month by month vesting, you get a handful, like one, two, three shares, depending on like yeah the percentage. So let's say after two years, you have 20 shares. After three years, you have 30 shares. After four years, you're done with your vested period. You basically have all the 40 shares that were promised initially to you. That might be a point where you renegotiate to get another participation in the, in the visa program. This is how this whole thing works. Again, we have seen also five years, even six years of, of vesting. And the, the speed of vesting after the cliff period can be monthly, quarterly, half year, yearly. So we have seen all of this. The most employee-friendly one is monthly. And that's what we have also decided to go for because we think it's a really fair fair setup. And the, the type of vesting can be linear or alinear. That means you get basically, if it's linear, you get it really like every month or quarter, you get the same percentage. If it's alinear, it might be the first year you get not 25% of the four years vesting but maybe only 10% or 15 and the next year you get a little bit more. And so you will still get 100% over four years. 
but it's it's not linear. It's not 25, 25, 25, 25, but it's like some somewhat like usually you get a higher percentage towards the end of that period. So that's not a very common thing among employees, More com- maybe more frequent. And we have also decided to do this Alinea Vesting among our founders team for more of a long-term participation focus, but it's nonetheless an option. And I think after you have now understood uh, Cliff Investing, we have to clearly also bring the third very common term, lever rule, into connection of the vesting and the cliff, because this is exactly trigger points that trigger the vesting. So usually you will find in these contracts the good lever and the bad lever. The good lever, very common standard, is a person getting ill, having no chance for a higher reason not to continue this job anymore. It's very commonly agreed, kind of a good lever, only losing the shares that should have to be worked for in the future, uh, but not losing the shares that have already been earned from the past. On the other hand, there's the bad lever. This is, in a very common understanding, of course, a person that made any harm to the company, for example, sharing a trade secret. Of course, this is kind of a bad lever, and you don't want these people to still have a significant participation in the success of your company. So they are usually investing is a much harder term. So they even lose the already vested shares. And then there is this gray zone in between that you can find in both directions. This is if an employee tries to voluntarily leave the company. And there are different opinions on that. In some circumstances, we see that this is punished in terms of that you become a bad lever. So in some contracts, this can be a bad lever. In other contracts, we also see it, that it's still a good lever condition. And this is also more of our opinion that we represent in Flynn because we really do not want to punish an employee having worked very hard for, for example, two years for us and then leaving the company. We don't think it's fair to lose everything at that point. However, there are different opinions among founders and investors, and therefore we see clearly both opportunities in the market. You're right, there are both opportunities. I have experienced a, a very tough bad lever setup where I basically had a lot of shares vested, but wanted to leave the company and, and had to negotiate because I would actually left, have lost all my shares and then had to negotiate and say, hey, like I want to do something else. And yeah, I, to be honest, as an employee, it didn't feel fair. It, it had a bit of a taste, the separation, even though it was very, on very good terms, a very nice separation. So that's why we said like, we don't want to... De- didn't feel like that this was the initial promise of the company to say, hey, we, we give you, if you do a good job over three years and leave after three years, 275% of the shares you vested will be yours. But it was again, kind of a yeah back door for the company to negotiate more. So clear recommendations, if you want to have an employee-friendly one, or if you are an employee you're joining a company, pay attention to that piece. Yeah, that's a very good recommendation. And then there's further points that we would quickly try to outline also next to these main terms that we have described. They are not as frequent as the other ones, but they can be a clear differentiation for your own resource that you want to create. And the one is the secondary. So uh, a secondary means that the founders have the chance to sell already part of their shares, not all shares like in an exit event, but already part of the shares before the exit is happening. And that then usually in most programs that we have seen, the employees do not have a right to sell their share in the same, same ratio. However, there is also a good reason for 
A second area with too many people participating in it gets quite complex and has a high chance of never happening. So as a result, you should clearly think about it, how to structure that. But for example, there could be an idea that we implemented in our company that every employee who has already been for four years with the company, no matter if still in the company or has been in the company, but having gone through the whole vesting program, that those employees are allowed to participate in secondary because we consider it quite fair if they have gone such a long path with us together, that in case we have the chance of a secondary, that they have the chance as well. And the second one is a profit participation. This is also not, not a common standard. In some contracts you have it, in some not. This is in certain circumstances, a startup can get profitable before the exit event, specifically if you, for example, outlicense more significant parts of the technology. And this sometimes happens under these circumstances. Employees are treated like shareholders. If there is a profit that is distributed to shareholders, then they also have a participation in this profit. It could also be the case that the company is turning around and figures out, hey, we should become a profitable company. We don't want to go a crazy growth, growth case anymore. And even in that case, your share program is still worth something. Otherwise, it's like all focus on an exit. And that's why we decided to have also this profit piece in there to say it gives really the employee the, the, the option to say, hey, like we don't know what will happen with this company, but we have a flexible program. And two more things to consider. One is like you need to make sure that certain events are also clearly defined in your VSOP, ESOP program. For example, in one of the companies I worked in, the IPO was not considered an exit. So generally, you need to define what is an exit. That can be, for example, selling 50% of the shares, 70% of the shares, 90% of the shares. Again, the higher the share, per share pool, the less friendly usually for employees because it can happen that a big investor is buying half of the company and later on buys more of the company. So in, the, in this case, yeah, if, if there's 90%, 90% is considered an exit, it can be a good chance that this exit will never happen. So you need to define what is the exit event. And I would also recommend to clearly define what happens in case of an IPO. Basically, that's, that's an important thing. And uh, maybe additionally, also the share deal should be considered because it... Uh, Quite frequently happens that also company takeovers uh, don't happen with cash, but happen with a share trade. And usually there should also be some regulations how the transition of shares in terms of the VSOP will be handled to compensate the employees in a very similar way that is as close as possible, like in a cash deal. So one more thing we have to discuss is the strike price. I think under our conditions, the strike price is basically the price an employee pays when the option will be pulled or when you actually use the option. And if you join as an employee very early on, usually every of your options, so let's say you have 140 shares again, and usually you have a one euro strike price or maybe even zero euro, one euro. And that means in case of an exit event, you pay one euro per share, so 40 euro. And then that is then immediately converted into, let's say the exit price was thousand euro per share. So you actually get 999 euro per share. And this one euro is deducted. But when, when the company grows and you make additional funding rounds, usually you pull the, the, the strike price up uh, because you want to have your employees participate in the future success of the company and not necessarily in the past success of the company. So let's say you have done two funding rounds and your share price is 200 euro, 500 euro per share. You may want to set a strike price of 500 euro per share. That means 
40 shares and the employee would pay 500 euro per share at the exit event and then get the upside. So actually you don't really have to pay. It's always deducted right away, but it makes sure the employees participate in the future. Of course, that's a negotiation point then for you and say, hey, we are extra friendly and don't give you the, the last, you take the, the share price of the last funding round. Maybe we give you the one, the second last funding round or make some, have some flexibility because it doesn't cost you a lot as an, an employer, but still it's a, it's an open to negotiate employee per employee thing to, to just consider and be aware of what a strike price means. Yeah, I think this was a very good transition already from the topic wise, how to also then set it up together with an employer and how to present such a resub to an employee. It's very important. This is not exactly the same, like you negotiate a salary, for example. So you should really think about this before because you have to give the full picture to the employee and you have to transition also the value of the shares into kind of a salary component. This is at least our opinion how you best manage to do that. And so the overall hints there from our side is, first of all, really don't talk about the shares in percentage because this might not sound like a lot and uh, it's very hard also for an employee to judge, right? If you have some zero point something percentage, but it's much more a better strategy to talk about the volume in terms of money that this share pool has because this is exactly what it is. It is already a kind of value that has been accepted by other investors with the funding round. So therefore, you can also really clearly communicate today's value of it. And also important to show the employee the multiples that are possible to achieve with this. And still, of course, you cannot trade it one and one like a salary. So we have found some strategies for that, how to do that. Yeah. So when we talk, when we make offers to someone, let's say we offer someone 70,000 euro package, we would always say is your package is 70,000 euro and we offer you the opportunity to get up to 20,000 euro of that package to consume that in shares. But we want to have, we want you to take a minimum of 5,000 euro in shares. Uh, so they can actually choose whether they want to go for 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 euro in shares. And then we multiply the salary value by four. So if the employee says, okay, I will take 60,000 euro in cash per year. And 10,000 euro I want to convert into shares. We multiply that by four. So four years vesting. So that person will get a 40,000 euro share package. So then we take this 40,000 euro divided by the current share price. Let's say this is 1,000 euro. So that person will get 40 shares. And then you can negotiate, of course, what I just mentioned, the strike price and say, shall we put the strike price at 1,000 euro? Or shall we put the strike prices 500 or 1 euro? So that means it kind of will they get the full upside of the future or maybe also past upside in case of an exit event. So that's how we sell it. If that person would say, oh, I take 20,000 euro in shares and 50,000 euro of that in salary, we take the 20,000 euro and convert it from salary to shares. We take a multiple of four. So it's 80,000 euro in share volume that they will best over four years. So you could say they cut their salary by 20,000 uh, 20, euro per, per, per year over four years. That's 80,000 euro. There are different multiples out there from 1.5 to maybe five or six. Find something that you feel is a fair value. We think four is really a fair value. I've seen this in a lot of companies. And yeah, we have also good argumentation around it. Say four years is a multiple of four. That's how we 
offer it. And we, I've seen a lot of companies being really bad at this. So learn how to sell it. Explain first, explain your terms and say, hey, this and this is how my terms work. Ask the employee whether they have ever had employer stock options. If they have experience with it, get a feel for whether they have positive or negative experience with it. Some have really good experiences. And then you can go into the depths depth of the details right away. If they have negative experience, they try to understand why maybe you have better terms. And maybe they have no experience with it at all. So take the time to really explain the terms and how such a program works and how your setup is, is designed. And then you offer them the choice and say, hey, you have some, some choice within the range. I usually then recommend people say, hey, I would optimize actually for shares in the early days because it's easier to get more salary later on than topping up your, your share pool when the company grows. But of course, you can still go also for more salary. Yeah, with this, I would like also to summarize a bit today's session and some key outcomes for you. So first of all, really don't underestimate the power of a VSO in terms of incentivizing your employees and also in terms of getting the power of having several entrepreneurs on board of your company. This is a very important success factor for a venture growth startup. And then secondly, please really use a lawyer who has experience in that field. This is definitely important. Don't set this up yourself. And if you need some help there, reach out to us in terms of recommendations. And last but not least, Marcus illustrated now like really how you can bring the value of this also to your new employees, depending on the situations, how they have been in before, and also really see the opportunity in this uh, to differentiate yourself as an employer by the terms that you're providing. So for example, for us at Flynn, this is a very important differentiator where we always try to go on the very employee-friendly side to really authentically claim this is one of the most employee-friendly visa programs out there by the key points that we have described today that are usually regulated in such a visa. So we really see there an opportunity of positioning yourself as a good employer as well. And maybe a last word from my side, from my own experience. If you're a founder with some experience and if you had VSOP, ESOP programs yourself in the past, tell these stories to the employees when you present them the VSOP and say, hey, here I have been disappointed. That's why we decided differently. Here, that was a really fair program. We got inspired by that. And Maybe tell them the story of like how much your program grew. And I sometimes tell a little bit about my entry six story and say, hey, this is how I started and this is how the shares developed. And of course, that's not an everyday case, but it gives a little bit of an inspiration. And I also had visa programs that are worth nothing anymore. So it's, of course, it's a little bit of a risk. But if you share some personal stories, if you're an experienced founder, use that personal touch to yeah, make build trust and give it a personal load. 